Morning, everybody. Good to see you all here this morning. And uh, as always, this is a appreciate the opportunity to open God's Word with, with all of you as we all learn together. Before we get into our lesson, <laughs> every so often in certain days, certain weeks, I run across certain articles, and before we get into our lesson, this was out of the Deacon Chronicle about signs you're getting old, and I was looking through the list, and I thought, Man, every one of these is true. <laughs> so I wanted to share those with you, not that anybody else is getting old, but I definitely am. This is a new study now says that forgetting people's names, groaning when you bend down, falling asleep in front of the TV are signs you're getting old. A recent poll found that needing an afternoon nap, finding it tricky to sit cross-legged, and choosing comfort over style or indicators, age is catching up. And then they have a whole bunch of signs, and I thought, man, I could check all these off. Forgetting people's names, losing hair, feeling stiff, talking a lot about your joints, <laughs> groaning when you bend down, misplacing your glasses, bag, or car keys, getting more hairy on the ears and eyebrows and nose, saying in my day, finding it tricky to sit cross-legged on the floor. Uh, you ever do that? Try to get back up? <laughs> Falling asleep in front of the TV every night, saying it wasn't like that when I was young, complaining about more things, struggling to use technology. <laughs> well, that's a good one there. Having colleagues who are so young they don't know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> Spending time comparing illnesses and injuries with friends and complaining about the rubbish on TV. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know where they were. Spy camera on me. Get all that kind of a list. But as we get older, I think it... Makes me think, you know, Lord, you could come today and we'll have a new body and won't have to have any more aches and pains or complain about an election year. But no, God is in control. God is sovereign. Noah Webster, in his first edition of his dictionary, published in 1828, defines pressure as the act of squeezing or crushing that which afflicts the body or depresses the spirits, any severe affliction, distress, calamity, or grievance. I think we'd all agree we all face pressures in life. Those times, circumstances can seem to squeeze us or crush us, like family situations that escalate, bills that pile up, Increases on our property insurance and auto insurance. Personal sin struggles. Medical problems. Growing old. Our relationship issues with our neighbors or even within our spiritual family here at Lakeside. Part of being part of a local church is that when pressures seem to overwhelm us, we have brothers and sisters who can share in the burden 
Days we struggle and feel out of sorts. Or we might in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Another part of being saved is knowing our Savior is able to carry our burdens. As Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Well, this morning we're going to look at a passage that shares how to deal with pressure. Please join me in Psalm 3. And here we find three steps to dealing with the pressures in life. Psalm 3. We'll be looking at the whole chapter. Beginning of verse 1. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no deliverance for him in God, Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Selah. Let's bow in a word of prayer before we look at this chapter. Father God, we humbly come before you, Lord. You are so great. You are so far above us. You loved us when we were your enemy, when we were sinners, Lord, and yet you chose us and saved us. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thankful for this opportunity we have to look together at Psalm chapter 3 this morning. May we not only hear it, but Lord, penetrate our hearts as well. I pray, Father, if there's any like me who are struggling with dealing with pressure, Lord, Encourage us through your word and help us to not be overcome by pressure. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, we need to know a little bit of the background of Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is the first time we find the word psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm in the Hebrew means to pluck strings. Psalm 3 is the first prayer in the book of Psalms and the first psalm written by David. Most commentators believe that David wrote this psalm after he fled Jerusalem when his son Absalom took over the throne. And all this is recorded in 2 Samuel 15 through 18. According to verse 5, it's a mourning psalm. So now we come to the first step we're going to look at in dealing with the pressures of life. 
And that is the pressure or the predicament itself. And this is recorded in verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying in my soul, there's no deliverance for him in God. Selah. It opens, O Lord. Addresses the Lord like Peter when he was sinking in Matthew 14, 30. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, O oh Lord, save me. He's crying out, save me. David here in Psalm chapter 3 was being hunted by his own son to take over the throne. And this king shepherd cries out, O oh Lord. The pressure is great, immediate, and overwhelming as verse 1 continues. How my adversaries have increased. Absalom's son was gaining popularity in an effort to take over the kingdom. David's son was handsome, a smooth talker, and a gifted liar who knew how to please the people. And verse 1 continues. Many are rising against me. The popularity poll was going up for Absalom and going down for David. Charles Spurgeon adds, Troubles always come in flocks. Sorrow has numerous family. Their hosts are far superior to mine. Their numbers are too great for my reckoning. In other words, it seems the enemy's going to win. Have we ever had a situation a pressure that seems unwinnable because the odds seem greater than us. It has gotten so bad that according to verse 2, many are saying, God won't deliver David. We read here again, verse 2, many are saying of my soul, there's no deliverance for him in God. He might as well give up. Commentator Warren Worsby shares, People were saying the king's beyond help. As God's son or daughter, are we ever beyond God's help? Are our pressures so great that God throws in the towel on us? We can be encouraged by the words, there's a Christian song that we've, I'm sure you've heard before, but it was written several years ago by Big Daddy Weave. I know that's an unusual name, but the song is overwhelmed. And this is when we need to step back from that pressure. I see the work of your hands. Galaxies spin in a heavenly dance. Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice. All at once it's gentle and thundering noise, oh God. All that you are is so overwhelming. I delight myself in you, captivated by your beauty. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you. God, I run into your arms, unashamed because of mercy. I'm overwhelmed by you. I know the power of your cross, forgiven and free forever. You'll be my God. You are beautiful, you are beautiful, O oh God. There is no one more beautiful. God, you are the most beautiful. You are wonderful, you are glorious. I delight myself in you, in the glory of your presence. We can be in the presence of God. 
as His children because of Jesus Christ. Pastor John MacArthur adds, the psalmist begins on a low note with his multiplied miseries. As pressures from enemies increase, the continual cry to think God won't help us, yet the Bible's full of promises. Psalm 33:20. our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 94, 17, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have been settled in silence. And Hebrews chapter 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't wear out our welcome with God. We never do. God never says, I'm done with you. He still loves us. He's still there for us. We need to lean on those promises because the world is telling us, like David here, God's not going to come through. He's deserted you. But like David before Goliath, he went in the strength of God, not in his own strength. Daniel in the lion's den, he didn't try to wrestle lions. He was thrown down among hungry lions and God protected him. Jeremiah in mud up to his armpits. We should exhort and encourage each other, God will come through. James Montgomery Boy shares, you may not be facing an imminent military battle when you wake up most mornings, but you're facing a battle. You may not be facing thousands of enemies as David was, but how many enemies does it take to make life miserable? One will do. We must not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge God and it says He will direct our paths. And we come to the end of verse 2. Selah. That means pause. Think about it. Meditate on it. Think that God is always in our corner. God is always with us. And at times we feel He's deserted us. He hasn't. That's what Satan wants us to think. But that's when we put our arms around each other spiritually and we help each other. What do we do? We pray, intercessory prayer, and sometimes if we have to, we go up to someone and we shake their hand and we say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. God is there. I'm here. And we help lift each other up. What an opportunity we have. We only have one chance on this earth to do that. Our first step in battling pressures in life is the pressure itself. Now we come to the second step. And that is our peace. Our peace. And this is shared beginning of verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Do we need God's peace today? Every day, every minute, at times? 
He begins in verse 3, But you, O Lord, David hangs on to the theology summarized in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? But you, O Lord, is a reminder for David and for us that he's with us. When we're sinking in the deep waters of life like Peter, and all he could do was turn to Jesus and say, Help me, I'm drowning. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace and would not bow before the image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, they put their trust in who? They said, even if we die in the furnace, we're still going to put our trust in God. And God delivered them. What a testimony to those who were there. David declares, the Lord is a shield about me. In military terms, the Lord is David's protection. While in the army as a chaplain, we weren't allowed to carry a weapon. And so instead we had a chaplain assistant who was supposed to be a marksman who was our bodyguard when we were out in any kind of actual scenario where we were, could possibly be shot or killed. And sometimes... I, as a chaplain, I'd have to look for that assistant. I'd say, where are you, Corporal Gregory? I don't see you. And he was over there talking to the first sergeant. I need you. We need to go out and see a soldier. And he'd come running with his M16. And we'd go into the, wherever that place was because my focus was supposed to be on what I could do to help them on a spiritual level where my assistant was looking around to make sure no one had their sights on us. Well, God is always watching out for us. Sometimes we don't watch out for ourselves, but God always is. A shield in the original is more than a shield. It's a buckler roundabout. It's clear around the person. A protection which surrounds a man entirely. A shield above, beneath, without, and within. Charles Spurgeon adds, Oh, what a shield is God for his people. He wards off the fiery darts of Satan from beneath and the storms of trials from above, while at the same instant he speaks peace to the tempest within the beast. Israel's king was referred to as a shield because he protected the nation. But David had his total dependence on God as his shield. Soldiers looked to Psalm 91 as a shield of God's word to cling to when facing the enemy on the battlefield. And we had a lady, I think I've shown you this before, but she wanted to do something for soldiers and she made, printed all this up, a bandana for soldiers to carry into battle of Psalm 91. And I don't know how many soldiers I had that came back and there was wadded up in their pocket and they said, Chaplain, I needed to be reminded of this, that God was protecting me in that battlefield. We're not in a military kind of battle going on now, but we're in a battle, amen? Every day. We wake up on this earth, God says, I have you here another day. And I will use you, but let me use you. 
James Montgomery Boyce shares, God would lift up his head even when he was severely cast down. Sin beats us down. God always lifts us up. We can expect God to do that for us even if we do not see him doing it right now. He's doing it. Verse 4 relates, I, David, cried unto the Lord with my voice. Cried means he cried out loudly. Have we ever cried out to the Lord? I know I have. We can relate to David here. Psalm 34, 6 adds, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. When we cry out to the Lord, He always hears us. We have the promise in the last part of verse 4, He answered me from His holy mountain. Charles Spurgeon says, Answers to prayers are sweet cordials for the soul. We need not fear a frowning world while we rejoice in a prayer-hearing God. The temple had not been yet built on the holy hill of Zion, but the ark was there, and that represented God's throne. Verse 4 closes with Selah. Let's pause and think about what was said. Let's meditate upon it. Let's imprint it on our hearts. Because not only will we need it at some point in our lives, but we might be able to share it with a brother or sister that God has brought us through and He will bring you through. Verse 5 reminds us that when we're at peace with God, we can sleep in peace. And that God is watching over us. As David wakes up and he knows God has sustained him and his attendants that were with him throughout the night. We in Florida seem to get hurricanes and storms seems like almost every time in the middle of the night. And when he sees us through and we wake up the next morning, we know God has been watching over us. Amen? Reminded of there's a, if I can find it here, a reminder that we sing, in fact, we sang a couple weeks ago in church this song, and I love the words, He will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Those He saves are His delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in His holy sight, He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by Him at such a cost, He will hold me fast. I can say His amen every day. John MacArthur adds, Since God is known for His sustaining protection, David could relax in the most trying of circumstances. And we can too. At times we struggle and forget God has us in His mighty right hand and who can snatch us out? Who? No one can. Because who's greater than God? No one. According to verse 6, reminds us that we don't have to be afraid. 
Verse 6 says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. David can be surrounded by thousands of the enemy, but David said he's not afraid. That word afraid in the original means to be apprehensive, to be fearful or anxious. Always reminded of the verses in Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. And we like to use other words. Well, I'm concerned. or Worry. Anxious. Where we can't focus on anything else but that thing that, that we're afraid of, that we are anxious about, that we're apprehensive about. We've all had those moments. And sometimes they come in bunches. But God is there with us through every one. He's there with a lady named Tammy. She wrote this. She's serving time in Billings, Montana. And she wrote this to share, and I think to share with us is encouragement. It's entitled Control. Tammy says this. When I start thinking that I'm in control, I feel this tug deep down in my soul. I'm just a player on God's awesome stage, feeling emotions like anger and rage, but I know inside that it's fear that I'm feeling. That when I take control, it stops me from healing. I mentally stop and push the brakes to the floor, let go of the wheel, I can do this no more. And when I let go and let God take the wheel, my life gets much better. I start getting real. I picture my God up high on His throne. His love fills my heart and I'm never alone. So when I have doubts that I'm not good enough, He touches my heart with His gentle rebuff. My child, I loved you before your life began. You play a big part in my overall plan. You don't know the plans that I have made for you. Just heed my words and you'll see I speak true. The love for my son when he died on that cross, though it hurt me so deeply, all was not lost. This was his sacrifice that he did just for you to give life eternal, his love shining through. So letting go of control and believing in me will unlock all the doors to set your soul free. Our freedom's in Christ. Through Him. Only because of Him. Not on our efforts. Not on our actions. But only because of Jesus. Our first step in dealing with pressure was the pressure itself. Followed by the second step, which our peace in verses 3 to 6. Now we come to the third and final step in dealing with pressure, and that is our prayer. We pick it up in verse 7. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people, Selah. It's a cry. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Reflects back to the years when Israel was in the wilderness, when the guiding cloud of glory began to move and the camp set out. Moses would say or sing, Rise up, O Lord. David's only hope 
is in his God. He feels the Lord arises and he is saved. It is enough for the Lord to stand up and he and all is well. What did Jesus do in the boat when disciples thought they were going to tip over and all drown? Stood up and he said, peace be still. Only the creator can do that. He can do that in our lives as well. James Montgomery Boyce shares, this is a confident cry for God's deliverance because the psalmist knows that God has heard him and he will provide the deliverance. God heard and gave David the victory. Absalom listened to bad advice and failed to pursue his father when he was most vulnerable. So when the battle came about, David had gathered enough strength and prepared for it. David's troops had the victory. It took place in the forests of Ephraim where 20,000 men were killed, including Absalom. God smote the enemy in the cheek and shattered the teeth of the wicked. God did it. When we put our trust in the God of the universe, no one can defeat him. Because as we read in verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Charles Spurgeon tells us, our opponents say, salvation belongs to the free will of man. If not to man's merit, yet at least to man's will. But we hold and teach that salvation from first to last and every iota of it belongs to the Most High God. Jonah quoted verse 8 when he was in the great fish and then experienced that salvation. He was given a second chance to fulfill the mission God gave him to begin with. Preach repentance to those in Nineveh who were in line for God's judgment. David wouldn't take credit for his victory over his rebellious son, but he gives the glory to God. Similar story with Elisha and Naaman in 2 Kings 5. If you remember, did the prophet Elisha take all that was brought by Naaman? Did he take all those gifts? Who did he want to get the glory and who deserved it? God deserved it. Verse 8 concludes, Your blessings be upon your people. Israel, as God's chosen nation, is blessed. We as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ and His adopted sons and daughters are blessed. And then this concludes with Selah again, reminding us, meditate, ponder, think about this. Let this not only be heard, but let it become a part of our, who we are. So that others look at us and say, I know God's real because I see God working in your life. I see you not trying to work everything out yourself, but you turn it over to God and God works it out for His glory. That's what it's all about. That's why we as believers are still on this earth to bring glory to God, to tell others about Jesus. So we've seen three steps in dealing with the pressures of life. First, the pressure itself. Secondly, the Peace, our peace in the midst of the pressure. And thirdly, our prayer. The question is, are we following these steps as we deal with the pressures of life? Honestly, are we? Or are we struggling? 
I don't do this very often, but I'd like everyone just to bow your heads for a moment. Because I'm asking myself that question and I come up short. I need to follow these steps. And if there's anyone else who's struggling with pressures and you need prayer, as a brother, I promise to pray for you this week. Is there anyone? Just raise your hand quickly and put it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great God and Father, thank you that you're on the throne. Thank you, Father, when the pressures of life come, you don't let go of us. You give us wisdom, you give us strength, because the pressures are all around us and they're getting stronger. Lord, we know you're coming very shortly. It could be any moment, it could be today. In the meantime, Lord, give us strength to walk on this earth that our lives would reflect who you are and that we bring glory to you. And when we struggle, Lord, give us your strength, please. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great week. Lord bless you.